Tell Me More, a podcast where you can join Prabnor and Navia, two psychotherapy students, as they dive into various topics through a psychotherapy lens. This podcast will get you thinking and reflecting on all things mental health, from self-care to learning more about what exactly cognitive behavior therapy is. We hope you stick around. In this episode, we will be discussing the importance of imposter syndrome, including our own personal experiences, the general accepted definition and features, and lastly, some ways to cope with imposter syndrome. We will be sharing some resources at the end, so please feel free to check those out. So let's get started on our discussion of imposter syndrome. And we wanted to share a little bit more about why we actually chose this topic, because it is a fairly specific topic to record a whole podcast on. And so the reason why we decided to discuss this today is because it has been impacting both of us, as well as many of our classmates and people that we know of. And we thought that it would be worthwhile to bring up and discuss in relation to some of the myths about therapists that we discussed in some of our initial episodes, as well as just a lot of the topics we talk about in psychotherapy itself. So the field, the different features of psychotherapy, and also what it's like being a student in psychotherapy. Yeah, so just before we get into what exactly imposter syndrome is, I wanted to know more about, Navia, what did you think of imposter syndrome when you first heard it or when it was brought up in class? Because I know we talked about it in one of our seminar courses as well. Yeah, the first thing I thought thought about when I heard the word imposter was definitely Among Us. And I think it's mm-hmm. just because it's such a popular game these days. So that was the first yeah. thing that came to my mind. But after that, the word itself definitely reminds me of someone who doesn't belong in a specific way or mm-hmm. is sort of in a place where they aren't meant to be. And so that definitely stood out to me. And also there was this element of it being deliberate or on purpose like you're in a place Mm. and you're fooling other people or you know doing something that's harming others or a con almost but it's deliberate it's not that you are you had good intentions at least in in my head when I hear imposter definitely sounds more deliberate to me so yeah those are a couple of the first things I thought of when I heard the term imposter itself and also imposter syndrome Yeah, I think I would definitely fall in line with what you just shared, especially some the aspect of someone not really belonging. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just the word imposter in itself is like you feel very out of place. And that's something that I associate with the word as well. Mm -hmm. This idea that you are whatever situation you're in or wherever you are, or whoever you are, it's not really somewhere that you belong or Mm -hmm. you are someone who is faking it or they're just trying to convince other people that you know they fit in when they really don't also I feel like it associates that you're in this place where other people are a lot more qualified than you are I think that's something that jumps out as well like just being in a place where you really aren't meant to be definitely I think that last part about the qualification is definitely Mm -hmm. more related to our own experiences but just going back to the word itself now that I'm looking at it and thinking about it a little more there's the word poster in there and also I see like sort of roots of pose or poser so it's kind of this outward appearance element to it that I kind of associate so it's like you you're showing something or you're demonstrating yourself in a particular way which may not be the reality yeah, it's just, just something I thought of on the, on the spot about the word. It's kind of cool to maybe look into the origins of the word itself. 
yeah yeah and i think it's actually kind of cool that you mentioned that outward and how you're like Mm -hmm. you're posing per se and it's interesting because i'll let you get into the definition in a bit but it's almost like the exact opposite what Mm -hmm. it actually is but uh that that's kind of cool that when you think about it initially it feels almost opposing to what it really is meant to be Mm -hmm. yeah like i think a lot of different uh, concepts that we experience there's this interpretation of what it might be and then Mm -hmm. the reality of how it actually feels and we can kind of get into that with the official definition of an imposter or imposter syndrome so imposter syndrome is referring to an internal experience of believing that you're not as competent as others perceive you to be This definition is usually narrowly applied to intelligence and achievement, and it has links to perfectionism and also the social context in which a person is existing. So yeah, like Prabhnur said, I talked a little bit about the outward experience or sort of manifesting yourself in a particular way, but definitely imposter syndrome has a very big internal element to it, and that's one thing I wanted to point out. It's this internal experience, and that's usually experienced through physical sensations. So at least for me, it's typically sweating, stomach tightening, maybe a little bit of fidgetiness about, Mm -hmm. you know, like how anxiety typically manifests. It's kind of similar to that. The other key element is the competence part. So your ability to actually do something successfully. What does the definition of success mean? That's always a very complicated question, right? Um, And then as psychotherapy students, competence is something that we've definitely discussed quite a bit and being a competent professional in a healthcare field and what that means. And so there's a huge emphasis on that. And lastly, the element of the other's perception. So that's maybe what's related to posing or the outward element that I was talking about, Mm -hmm. but how others think of you, what they're thinking, doing something that'll give a bad impression on others, just a lot of things that go on when you have these interactions with other people. Yeah, and just listening to this definition, I think that my most recent experience with imposter syndrome fits very well into yeah. the definition. When I think about it, I think the the first thing that comes to mind is definitely when I got into the psychotherapy program. And I remember the first thought was, oh my God, I must have been on the last, like the last person on that list that they mm-hmm. just let me squeeze through. They're like, okay, fine, you know, we'll give her a chance. Let's see how <laughs> it goes. And then, yeah, just so just feeling like, oh my God, what, like, will they ever kick me out if I do this one wrong thing? How is that going to impact how I yeah. am? And really feeling like I did not belong in the program, thinking how everyone in the program is so much more qualified. Like we have so many professionals Mm -hmm. that have been working in their respective fields in our program and they're coming back for further education or just to brush up on some skills. So like there's individuals who have had their PhDs in different areas, researchers, other professionals. So when you start looking at all the other people in the program, you're like, wait a second, do I, (laughs) why am I here? Like, what have I done that is comparable? And I think that that that's that's kind of hard to do and you really start nitpicking everywhere that you think you are wrong or why you don't belong here. And that's that's something that I'm sure many people can relate Mm to. Yeah, 100 percent. I actually had almost the exact same thought, which is really interesting that we both had a very similar experience. But that thought about I was probably like one of the last picks for the interview. And like I just happened to by fluke get accepted or they, you know, something along those lines of it just it was luck or they noticed something that was probably very minor, nothing impressive. 
And then bringing that into a new program is a really difficult attitude to have, right? Like it, you start mm-hmm. to, I find, at least for me, like I start to second guess myself quite a bit before I, let's say, participate in class. I want to make sure what I'm saying is correct because I don't want to feed into that imposter syndrome or feed into the idea that I don't belong here and then thinking that, oh, other people probably have better ideas, so why should I even participate? It's just, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it does impact the way that you function in that environment. And in many ways, it can be pretty detrimental to your learning if you're not able to catch it early or at least be aware of it as a first step. So yeah, I think it's it's pretty interesting that we had a similar experience. And I know many other people, not just in the program, but outside of the program in many different fields and many different areas of education feel similarly as well. So I'm glad that we're able to discuss this topic and hopefully bring up a little bit of validation for it's okay to feel this way and it's not all that uncommon and you're not alone in feeling this way as well. So thinking of imposter syndrome, now everyone can probably experience it in a different way, but some of the common signs of imposter syndrome can include a variety of things. So you can experience self-doubt, this inability to realistically assess your competence and skills, mm-hmm. attributing your success or to external factors, berating your performance, having this fear that you won't live up to expectations, and something interesting is actually overachieving. So feeling this need to do a lot more to feel like you do fit in or you do belong in wherever you are. This idea of sabotaging your own success and also setting very challenging goals and feeling disappointed when you fall short. So a variety of things that can happen and I think that some of us might experience quite a bit and not even notice that we could be contributing to this experience or feelings of imposter syndrome. Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. I never thought about imposter syndrome until we started discussing it in class and Mm -hmm. got into this placement. But I can relate to so many of these. And now I'm realizing it's not all that scary anymore, almost just because it's a thing, right? Like it's more concrete. Other people experience a lot of these. But I think the big one for me was attributing your success to external factors. And I did discuss that a little bit in terms of the interview process and the application, just thinking that it's luck or they needed Mm -hmm. to fill in another spot or I just happened to be setting a good impression on a particular interviewer and it wasn't really my efforts that brought me where I was. And I think I I noticed that quite a bit, like that type of thinking and that pattern of thinking where it's not giving myself credit for for what I've done. So that's a big one for me. And even maybe, I guess, the sabotaging your own success, I can definitely relate to where if you finally get some good feedback or you feel good Mm -hmm. about a session, it's like nitpicking on the negatives or discounting the positives or thinking that, oh, they're just being nice to me. That's why they're giving me good feedback. And again, that kind of stuff, I'm starting to notice a pattern of in my thinking. And it can really impact how you interact with people. You start to think about their intentions and why they're saying things. And it's honestly exhausting to think that way the entire time you're in a placement or in in a setting where you're meant to be learning and making mistakes. Yeah, all I heard was like so many cognitive distortions. I'm like just counting the positives and (laughs) you're doing all this other stuff. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that there's so many things I didn't even think about before Mm -hmm. learning about it. I think the first thing that jumps out is definitely overachieving. Mm. So I often thought of imposter syndrome as, oh, well, it's just you not appreciating everything that you have done. But this idea of overachieving, and I think Mm -hmm. something that I can surely relate to, 
is that I always felt this need to do everything or be a part of a multitude oh, of yeah. programs, clubs, mm-hmm. whatever, just so I can show that, you know, like, oh, look, I'm a part of this and doing that. And it's not that I didn't enjoy what I did. I did. But sometimes I also noticed I was so exhausted by the end of it mm-hmm. that I wasn't able to fully enjoy some of the experiences. And I think that's something that I'm the more you learn about it, the more I'm starting to reflect on what I am doing and what I'm involving myself in and how I'm just trying to, you know, take it, take a little easier, slow it down and see what I'm actually wanting to do with whatever I'm a part of. Because this idea of overachieving can go into, I feel like it feeds into self-doubt because you're Mm -hmm. always wondering, oh, I I need to do this project as well. Because if I'm not doing this, it means that I'm not good enough or something of similar sort so mm-hmm. i think it's nice to sort of sometimes just reflect on what are common things that come up so you can pinpoint what you might be doing and how if you want to change it how you might want to go about that exactly i think the reflection part is so key just mm-hmm. being able to like sit and talk about it or just sit down after a session for example and just think about okay well how did i act how did i react and how is that impacting how I'm feeling now and the decisions I'm making? It's so important to just give yourself that pause. But yeah, the overachieving is so interesting because I always think of imposter syndrome as like, maybe I'm not doing enough. And so yeah. I'm underachieving actually. And that's why I'm feeling like an imposter. But it's so true. This drive to do more and sometimes at least for me, I've always been the kind of person who likes to do a lot of different things. Like I like to be mm-hmm. a well-balanced and um, well-rounded person. And so Achieving well in academics was one part, but I also wanted to be involved in extracurriculars and volunteer and do all these different things. And now sort of the way that it's manifesting is I'm doing all these things to make up for maybe not being as strong academically or not being as competent academically. And so I'm, oh, like I'm overcompensating because I also do all these other things. So that makes me maybe a a worthy fit for whatever it might be. But yeah, I'm starting to notice a couple of things with that, which I had never thought of before. And like you said, like I obviously enjoy doing what I'm doing, but it's this underlying motivation or intention behind it is a little different. It's, It's maybe just more to to deal with this imposter syndrome and feel like I am worthy because I'm doing these things, not just because, for example, I got into the program. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's, it's also so hard to actually do something about it, if that makes sense. Like you can read about these things and you can be like, oh yes, I'm doing this. I'm doing Mm -hmm. that. I I know I want to change this, but then Mm -hmm. rewiring your brain to think in a completely different way is so difficult. It's not something that can just happen with a snap of the fingers and see that instantaneously. Oh, I acknowledge it. I will Mm -hmm. be different now. And I think something that fits well within that is like setting very challenging goals and Mm -hmm. then feeling disappointed when you do fall short so I think something that could be nice is like setting those smaller goals for yourself and just trying to work at it and baby steps Mm -hmm. to try to change how you view things and obviously everything is so much easier said than done but maybe just learning about it initially is a good first step I think so. And with the goals, like making sure they're your goals. This is Mm -hmm. not someone else's standards or someone else's definition of success or 
being accomplished, but this is what you actually want to achieve and, and what mm-hmm. is valuable to you. Because that can be difficult if you're starting to live by other people's standards or other people's achievement and trying to compare yourself, then your goals might feel challenging because they're not yours. They're not true to who you are. And so, yeah, yeah I think just having that reflection of what do I actually want and what do I want to, for example, get out of the placement, let's say, and breaking it down into very small achievable goals can definitely, at least in the moment, make you feel quite relieved that I'm competent. Like I can, I pass these few let's say small steps and I can make it to my bigger goal whatever that may be so it's really interesting that way how a lot of the skills that we learn in therapy can be applied to something like imposter syndrome and even though we're learning about it and and teaching it in different ways or facilitating those skills sometimes it's hard to do for yourself and just being able to talk about it with colleagues and have that shared understanding is helpful But I think something you talked about, Prabhna, which was really interesting is it's so hard to rewire your brain or like Mm -hmm. undo certain patterns. And I think a really helpful metaphor, which I've heard is thinking about the hiking path. And so you go to this path and you're always walking on the same route. And so it's really well laid out. You can see your let's say you can see your footsteps in there because it's just so core to who you are you've done it so Mm -hmm. many times it's very easy and you can easily navigate and then suddenly one day someone says well now take this different path which is not as well worn it's very new to you you don't have a compass you don't know which direction to go and then Mm -hmm. you feel a little lost and a little bit overwhelmed and so that's sort of how our neural pathways work for our habits they're very well worn paths we can easily pass on them and go from point a to point b so quickly But when it's something different, it takes a lot more work. It takes a lot more effort to start to build that path. And it doesn't mean that the effort isn't worth it, but it does involve a little bit of effort to undo those kinds of pathways. And so it's all about practice, I find. It's all about repetition. And that can be very helpful in terms of just reminding yourself, I'm worth it. I I deserve this certain position or role. And just even saying that to yourself over and over, as long as you believe it, can actually improve your confidence in that statement. And it can be pretty cool. It can have some big effects for sure. Yeah, I think I I really like that analogy, this Mm -hmm. idea of that new path. And it's not as worn down. But like your habitual path, if you Mm -hmm. use that one more and more, you'll see your footsteps, those weeds or anything else that's on the sides will start to fade away. And that can be your new path that you then soon automatically jump to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then maybe we can talk a little bit about what makes the field of psychotherapy susceptible to imposter syndrome. So we mentioned that this isn't something that's specific to us as students. A lot of people experience it. It can be seen in all different fields. But we want to talk a little bit more about psychotherapy itself. And some things that at least come to mind for me about why psychotherapy might be a little bit more prone to students experiencing this kind of imposter syndrome is this pressure that we maybe put on ourselves or that comes from society, who knows what exactly the source is, but you're really dealing with people who are very vulnerable and that can be Mm -hmm. extremely challenging. That's a lot of responsibility and a lot of pressure to say the right thing, do the right thing, make sure you're taking care of a person and being there and being supportive. And that can really get you to second guess yourself, I find. For sure, that's a big one for me. Just dealing with that population of people can make it extremely challenging. 
Yeah. And also the fact where people are relying on you, they're yeah. coming to you because they're thinking that you're the expert in the field or you'll know what to say. And I know we touched a bit about, upon this a few weeks ago when we we're mm-hmm. talking about how sometimes we don't know what the right thing is or we're unsure, we're learning with others, but it can be very scary to not be able to support someone or say something wrong that might not uh, be something that the other person wanted to hear. So I think that that definitely does not support us in that realm where you're, mm-hmm. you, you know that people are going to come to you or that you want to be there for others and then feeling this level of incompetence like, will I say the wrong thing? Do I know the research in this area? Do I know how to fully apply this skill? Can I mm-hmm. actually do this worksheet with someone else? I think it definitely can be hard because there's so many other factors and you just don't want to disappoint others and I think that can contribute to feeling like you don't belong in that area or that you aren't really competent. Exactly and it's such a difficult cycle to get into because Mm -hmm. what I've noticed at least in my experience is the more I put myself out there and try different skills even if I make let's say a small mistake you're supported you have your facilitators there usually the mistakes that you make aren't something that's going to ruin someone's life anyways but it starts to feel that way a little bit if you have a lot of pressure on yourself but yeah if you don't get yourself out there and try the skill you're never going to learn the skill and so you're always going to feel incompetent and then you get stuck in this vicious cycle so it's really just putting yourself out there and trying it in a safe environment but that's so hard to do like I 100% have felt this way during the placement not knowing when I'm ready to step in or take on a little bit of more responsibility and when I need to maybe observe a little bit more it's very hard to find that balance and it takes a lot of self-reflection and also just being confident in what you do know and accepting that there's areas that I need to work on but it's okay I have the support I have what I need to get there and I don't have to be there right now so that's definitely a big one and something else I've noticed is with psychotherapy specifically there is this balance of being emotionally intelligent and obviously being empathetic and responsive to how people are feeling and also having the factual applicable experience as well that would be you know like knowing sort of the skills that we're using in CBT or knowing how a session is supposed to be structured and that balance can be challenging because it's not just I have to sit here and tell you facts about something but I actually have to be responsive to who you are as a person I have to Mm -hmm. treat you as a person I have to be empathetic while also thinking about how are we going to make this a therapeutic process Mm -hmm. we do want people to be improving in some way ultimately and that I find a little bit challenging because I can focus on one or the other but finding the balance can sometimes be a little bit of a challenge and I think that comes with practice for sure that's something I've experienced. So we've been talking a lot about what imposter syndrome is, some of the symptoms that you might be experiencing, but what can you actually do to address some of those things that you're feeling or how can you cope with it? Now, something that we talked about in one of our classes a while back was this idea of creating coping cards. Now, these could be physical cards that you write out on like a cue card, let's say, or something that you could have on a sticky note on your computer or anywhere else. And the way I like to think of the coping cards is dependent on the situation you're in or what you're thinking in that moment in relation to how you feel like you're an imposter 
in the circumstances you are, it's it's a balanced way of thinking about what you're experiencing. So something that I talked about when we were talking about this in class is that feeling how many individuals are doing so much more than what I'm doing. And that was in relation to people are part of more clubs, they're working, they're doing all these fun and exciting projects. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm not doing enough. And something that I was encouraged to think about is how do I fit into that? What am I doing in relation to how I'm thinking other people are also doing it? And what what is a more balanced way of thinking or what is something that I feel is appropriate to me? So another balanced thought that I had in relation to thinking that other people are doing so much more is that I acknowledge that other people in my program or of elsewhere could be doing a lot more things and they might be doing more things than I'm a part of, but I genuinely enjoy everything that I'm doing, whether it's clubs, activities, projects I'm a part of. And for me, that's enough. So it's not necessarily reframing it in a positive manner where I'm doing a lot as well and things are great for me. Mm -hmm. It's just looking at it in a more balanced way where, yeah, other people could be doing, let's say, 10 things and I might just be a part of five projects. But those five projects I thoroughly enjoy and I'm very satisfied with that. And for me, that's enough in this moment. And I think sometimes it's nice to write this out so you can look at it almost from a third perspective Mm -hmm. and reassure yourself, but in a supportive manner where you're looking at it and you're like, you know what? That's true. That is something that I believe. And I think that in this moment, that's good for me. Yeah, I think it's a great way to just remind yourself of how you can reframe some of these very difficult thoughts that might come up when you're feeling like an imposter or in a particularly difficult situation where, for example, you don't know the answer to a particular question. This is a great thing that you can just pull out and look at afterwards and it just helps ground you a little bit, I think. Just Mm -hmm. hearing you say it as well and, you know, like the confidence that it brings about in, in your own tone and me hearing you say it and how it made me feel better as well like it's it's great like I think it's such a useful tool and I think mine was a little bit around how I'm not the only one feeling imposter syndrome because I think that's Mm -hmm. fairly common where people feel very alone that in my entire program or in my entire workspace it's just me I'm the odd one out and it helped me to sort of reframe and think about well actually at least just based on class discussions and Prabner and I talking today Mm -hmm. I'm not the only one feeling this way and so Knowing that you have the support, you have other people you can talk to about these experiences is really helpful. And whether that's classmates or even talking to mentors or supervisors about what you're experiencing is a great way to just validate the experience and then maybe find ways for you to cope as well. Because I think they have great insight. A lot of them have probably experienced it at some point in their career as well because it's not all that uncommon. And so just having that open communication with the people in your life about what you're going through and and sort of how they can support you is a great place to start as well in terms of coping, I find. Yeah, and I think there's just something about writing things out and then looking back at it Mm -hmm. is it almost feels like you're looking at it from another perspective and it just feels more objective to me at least. So I think having that element where you can ask, sometimes you can ask your supervisors, you can ask other mentors, Mm -hmm. and then when you are thinking about everything, every evidence that you're sort of collecting against why you know you aren't an imposter you do belong in the situation you're in if you write it out and you like have those cards or just have Mm -hmm. things that you can refer to is a nice little reminder that you know what I do belong or this I am where I'm meant to be 
Yeah, and it's strengthening the neural pathways like we talked about, right? The exactly. more you see it, the more you read it, the the more fluent it'll become for you and the more believable it'll become. Because at first it will be a little bit believable, but maybe there's a lot of doubt. And like Prabner said, you might be looking at evidence for or against how you're feeling as an imposter. And with that, we hope that we could get the conversation started on what imposter syndrome is, normalize some of the feelings that we might really be experiencing on a day-to-day basis, Mm -hmm. and really just reflecting on what we're going through and learning more about how we can potentially cope with it, whether it's through coping cards or any other strategies that you think are good for you. This information is meant to be purely educational. We are not healthcare professionals, just graduate students navigating these topics with you. And any podcast content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. So we recommend that you always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions regarding your mental health and your well-being. We do want to leave you with some resources, and this includes Good to Talk, Kids Help Phone, Connects, Wellness Together Canada, and any other local resources for mental health services that you can think of. These are just a few that we know, but dependent on where you're living, there can be many more. So we do encourage you to seek any other support that you think that you might need. And just a reminder that you can connect with us through our email, which is so tell me more podcast at gmail.com and our Instagram page at so tell me more podcast. You can check out our Instagram and Facebook page for future updates. And it's also a great way to share what you're interested in hearing on our podcast and any other feedback that you may have. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music and Google Podcasts or wherever else you're listening right now. And with that, we would just like to say thank you so much for listening. We hope you learned something new or just enjoyed learning more about what imposter syndrome is. We're excited to continue exploring new topics in our future episodes. But for now, stay safe and take care.